Thanks for listening to another life-transforming message from the team here at C3 Southwest Washington. To find out more about our church, visit c3swwa.com. As we take a look into the Word of God today, how many of you are excited to be in God's house? I hear that God's promise still stands. That's what I heard. Anybody, like, God has whispered a promise to you that's yet to be fulfilled in your life? I got both hands raised. Because if you spend a lot of time with God, he, he speaks a lot of different things. Some is for right now, some is for later, some is for down the road. And one of the greatest parts about following after him is watching those things unfold. And God certainly will fulfill his promise, but in most promises, you have a responsibility. Right? Almost all the time that God makes a promise, he makes the promise with some conditions on your end, some things that you have to do. He told uh, um, Abram in the Old Testament that even though he was old, he was going to have to have a child. It's not going to get graphic here, but as an old guy, he wasn't going through, uh, you know, going on uh, children.com to order a child. Are you tracking with me? There are so many promises in the scripture that require our participation, but it's awesome to get a promise from God. Um, today, as we jump into uh, session number two of our series entitled uh, Favor, I want to read this portion of scripture to you out of 2 Corinthians. And Paul is writing this portion of scripture along with the people that work with him. He's the apostle, but he's got people in his team like Timothy and Titus and some other individuals that he mentions at the end of the book. This book is named uh, Corinthians because he's writing to a church that's in a city called Corinth. And that's how we, we get this book. And this is actually, although it's 2 Corinthians, it's actually the third book that he's written because one of them is, is missing from our historical documents, but he mentions in 1 Corinthians a previous writing. Now check out what's said here. He says, as God's co-workers, he's speaking on behalf of his team to the people in Corinth, he says, as God's co-workers, we are urging you not to receive God's grace in vain. He recognized that you've experienced God. You've heard the word of God. You've responded. You've said yes to following after Jesus. You probably have been water baptized. You're probably gathering together as God's people. But don't experience that grace in vain. And he goes on to say, and he's quoting actually an Old Testament verse, Isaiah chapter 49. And he says, and he's quoting God. He says, God says back there, in the time of my favor, I heard you. And in the day of salvation, I helped you. He's quoting something to God's people that they desperately need to hear. He's worried that if they don't grasp this, that what God is doing in their life almost falls off to the side, like a seed that didn't make it into the dirt, but landed on the sidewalk. It's not able to reach its full potential. And so he quotes God in the area that he really wants people to hear. He's quoting them about the favor of God. And if it's not enough to quote God, he goes on to make his own emphasis to the people in Corinth. He says, I'm telling you, he's speaking this truth out. And I want you to grasp the power of the spoken word. I tell you, he says, God said, and now I'm telling you that now is the time of God's favor. And some of you just, you need to hear that. As an 18-year-old, there were, uh, who, who, coming to Jesus, there were some things I got right off the bat. I, I realized that Jesus died for me. I realized I was going to go to heaven someday. Those things just jumped into me. I got those things. But this 
this idea that God is actually favors me, that he loves me, that he wants me, that he accepts me, that he welcomes me, that he treasures me, that there's something about me that he's so, he, he, he is so passionate about that he's sculpted me in a certain way to accomplish things that I can only accomplish, no one else on this planet, that, that when he looks at me, he looks at me with favor. And I don't know about you, but that wasn't an easy concept for me to grasp. It took me probably 25 years to get this. And it was taking the Corinthians a long time to get this. Because if you don't recognize that God looks on you with favor, that there's a lane of favor that you can drive in and get off of the berm, get out of the, where the glass is all broken, get out of the bushes where the stumps are, but to get over here and drive down the lane of God's favor, life looks completely different. And so today, I want you to just take your hand, put it over your heart. And my prayer is that if your heart is clouded to this concept at all, you're in good company because the church in Corinth was a pretty amazing place. When you read these books, these were some very spiritual people, and you're probably very spiritual as well. But if you don't understand the favor of God in your life, it will put you in a posture that makes it really hard to navigate, to experience all the things God has for you, and for God to use you in a way that highly impacts other people. But if you can understand where you stand with God at all times in this lifetime, as we started talking about last week, you'll be postured in a way where you'll enjoy the favor of God and that favor will flow through you into the lives of other people. So Father, we pray today as a church family, I pray over each person in this room, that if they're even remotely cloudy on this concept, Lord, that you would break through, that you would use me as you used uh, the Apostle Paul in the church of Corinth to speak forth your word in a way that unlocks uh, maybe some of the deceptions that the enemy has worked through other people, through thoughts, through maybe some wrong preaching and teaching, maybe even from some of the, some of the words of leaders in their life that uh, maybe were well-intentioned but didn't build a picture of your favor over our lives. But Lord, we celebrate as we read here in Corinthians and also Jesus started out his ministry. He said, I can, I've come to declare the day of the Lord's favor. And so we receive your favor today. We can see it. We're talking about it. We're hearing about it. We want to be purveyors of your favor to other lives. And so, Lord, help me today. Help us to hear clearly. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. And everyone said amen and amen. So you can be seated. Today's title is uh, The Voices of God's Favor in Our Lives. And as always, if you use a QR code, you can follow along and go ahead and grab my notes. Um, you want to use them later on with your family. I find that it's great to have the conversation multiple times through the week, and hopefully you don't just treat a Sunday as a sermon, but God is speaking a theme to us, and we want to make sure that we get that on the inside of us, and it becomes a part of who we are. Um, a couple of updates just for you really quick before I jump into my message. Don't forget, tonight is dinner parties, right? Remember, if you've already registered for fall dinner parties, you don't have to re-register, but you do have to RSVP, okay, which means you get an invitation in your email. You let your leader know that you're coming. And if you're brand new or you have not registered yet, please see us at the Connect Center right after our gathering, and we'll get you plugged in because there's space for you. Trust me, if you're brand new, you'll have a great time. Show up at somebody's house, eat their food. I mean, how could you go wrong there, right? A whole bunch of laughter, a little bit of conversation, and we'll have a great time. Also, don't forget, everyone is invited to this, especially we're asking all of our team members. We're going to be gathering here on Wednesday night. There's no My City Youth. 
but we'll come together as a church team, those of us who serve, which is just about all of you. And if you're new to the church, we want you to come to this as well. We'll gather together for some worship, for some prayer, a little bit of vision casting as we get ready for our grand opening in October. So we'll get excited about that. And uh, so again, jumping into our message and this idea of voices of favor, uh, you got to get a dad joke real quick though, right? You know what's coming. Should start calling them grandfather jokes instead of dad jokes. Uh, what did the duck say when he bought chapstick? Put it on my bill. <laughs> okay, so the idea of favor is uh, they're, they're called dad jokes for a reason. Someday when you get old like me, you'll be able to share these jokes with your friends and just enjoy that you're in a position that they have to listen to what you say and give you a golf clap and a golf laugh, okay? Uh, this idea of favor really encompasses a lot of ingredients. Uh, for someone to favor you or for you to experience the favor of God, to understand it, favor um, has some ingredients, I think, that are incredibly valuable. It, it really means to be accepted, to be received, to be welcomed, to be valued in all of that, to actually be enjoyed, to be supported, to be partnered with, to be empowered, to be endowed, and really the truth is to be advantaged because of the relationship. And so when we talk about the favor of God, we're talking about any one of those components or all those components as they come together. And the truth is, as we talked about last week, when Jesus came, he was able to re-express the favor of God as God looks down from heaven in this season of the Bible Christ came in order to be able to establish a clear vision from God to look at you as the way he did to add Adam before Adam ever sinned and deal with you in your lifetime here and now, regardless of imperfections, with that same view of favor. That your sin is an issue, but Christ came to remove the sin so that God could even deal with you prior to saying yes to following Jesus with a view of favor. God, at your worst moment, was still able to accept you, to receive you, to welcome you, to value you, to enjoy you, to endorse you, support you, partner with you, to empower you, to endow you, and to give you advantages because of what Christ did. Now, sin in your life will still bring some repercussions. We were talking about this in our men's prayer this last week, and favor is really something that God has for everyone, but it's kind of like a lane in the highway. And when you line your life with God, you're driving right down the center of the lane and it's smooth rolling to your destination. But when you and I don't follow God's instructions, when we don't listen to the word, when we don't obey the voice of the spirit in our life, we have a tendency to move our vehicle out of the favor that's still there and start driving through you know, the rumble strip or over into the breakdown lane. I was watching uh, some bad crashes. Um, you know, sometimes they just throw some stuff in there make me sound powerful. Um, but I was watching a car, uh, a police officer was chasing a car and he did a pit maneuver and the car spun around and they got down in the ditch and the police car got launched off of the car he was uh, doing the pit maneuver on and flew and hit a, hit a light pole and landed off in a ditch. And I was like, wow, that went bad really, really quick. And the truth is the, the smooth lane of God's favor is still there. And God wants to invite us to walk in that. And it's been available your whole life. 
But it's really not until you experience Jesus that you begin to understand that there is this lane that even exists. You're over here thinking, oh, I'm such a great driver while driving through the glass and the broken debris and the stuff that fell off that guy who didn't cover his load on the way to the dumps, junk on the side and all the recap tires. And you're just, you're thinking, oh, I'm a great driver when there's a lane that's so much smoother. It's so much more favorable. It's so much more direct to get to the destinations that we have. God has that lane for everybody who's, who's ever been born, especially here in the New Testament. God is inviting you to step into that lane. But in order for us to even understand that the lane exists, that favor first has to be communicated. And that's what, that's what we see happening here in this writing to Corinthians. It's what I'm trying to convey to you. Without the spoken word, we just don't know. We're born ignorant. Our sin actually, it actually mutes the, uh, it steps on that frequency of God trying to communicate it to us. God's desiring us to know that we're favored, but that frequency of communication is being jammed by all of the other communication in the world that's around us. Um, But once it's communicated, then we begin to access it and we begin to experience the favor of God in our lives. And the voices that communicate the favor of God are important to note because if you understand how God's going to communicate that favor. You'll know better how to listen, and then you'll better understand how God wants to speak his favor through you into the lives of the people who are absolutely in your world. Now, the very first way that God, and the most, the easiest way that God is able to speak is right directly through his voice. And this is how he dealt with Adam in the garden. This is the optimum voice of favor. When God speaks to you that he favors you, you'll never question it. And again, that frequency uh, uh, gets jammed because of the world that we live in, but we watch God communicate his favor to Adam in the very beginning. Genesis 131, God says, he looked around, God said, it was, it's very good. He's expressing favor over the things he's created with his words. He's also expressing favor over Adam, who he fashioned with his hands in his own image. Talk about favor, man like no other creation was favored because he's the only one that was made with God's hands. God spoke everything else into existence, but he took the time to create with his own hands the first man, and then the woman from that man, and he said, very good, very good. Not just good, but very good. And when somebody expresses that over your life, very good, wow. It's just, you know that you're valued, you know that you're favored. And we see Uh, God worked this in Adam's life by giving him a garden, by inviting him into the experience of naming the animals, of speaking with his given authority and speaking out of authority over Adam's life. No No other creation of God had the authority of God other than Adam. He's the one being in the room that God has said, you are in charge. That's favor, clearly. And so Adam certainly experienced that. Now, we know that Adam and Eve, they disobey, and then they begin starting that journey of driving outside of the lane of favor, over into the rumble strips. And we see how the favor of God is now muted in their lives, where God has said, very good. Now, all of a sudden, Adam's afraid of God, and he's over here because he can't hear the favor of God because of his actions. He starts driving over in this lane, and he assumes the lack of favor of God. He hides from God because he's afraid of God, because he assumes that the favor is gone. And we watch that spiral downwards all the way into his wife, 
And then ultimately, his, his two sons, one son kills the other all over a lack of belief of the favor of God. And we see that arrive into all of mankind. And I've expressed last week to you, I bet that you probably struggle with this concept of the favor of God over your life. And some of the ways that you can know that you're struggling with that favor appear in some of these statements. That maybe you deep down and you feel like God is kind of indifferent about you and your life. That he cares about a lot of other people, but probably you, you just kind of blend in. Or maybe even that God is overall on a scale of happy to upset. You're kind of leaning on the upset side typically with God. God is usually pretty ticked off at you because of who you are and the things that you're doing. And you feel like you're inching closer to a future point where God's going to finally say, that's it, I've had enough of it, and drop the hammer. That sometimes that you even steer clear from activities that would bring you close to God, like prayer and reading your Bible or even attending church or actually closing your eyes during worship and raising your hands because then you would be right there standing in front of God and you're terrified that he's upset and now you're going to have to look at his face and see how upset he is. Sometimes we believe that God is the source of our bad experiences and that he's actually punishing us for the horrible person that we are and the bad experiences that we're having are the expression of his disfavor. We, we tend to, after a while, struggle to celebrate God's favor in other people's lives because we don't see his favor in our life the way it happens in their life. And sometimes we even resent God or resent those people who seem to be very favored because it seems like preferential treatment and why not me? Am I just talking to myself? I just, am I the only way that's ever felt like this? Like you've got, you've got some sort of illness and yet... Sally so-and-so who just got sick yesterday is already professing, you know, already declaring, God healed me, and you've been sick for three months, and you're like, what? What's going on? Or is that just me? No? Um, we, in good times, we expect bad things to be just around the corner because there's no way God is going to allow this many good things to continue in our life. That we don't ask God for help, when we need it because we feel like we're undeserving and he's probably going to say no anyways, so we soldier on to work it out on our own. Yeah. We believe God can do miracles, but we don't believe he will do miracles for us. Right? And so these are some of the thought processes that let you know that you struggle with actually believing that God looks on you with favor and wants to see the very best happened for you, in you, through you, and to other people as, as you are used as his instrument. I think that what you need to understand is God wants you to succeed more than you want to succeed. In fact, for you, success is way down here. You're like, ah, this is what I want to achieve. And God dreams such bigger dreams for your life than you do. The Bible says that he's able to do exceedingly abundantly above and beyond that which we could even think or ask. In other words, your bar of success is here, and you don't even believe that God wants to help you to reach it, and God's dreaming about a different bar in your life. Am I, am I talking to the right group of people? Are you guys alive? Come on. That this is, and this, this thought process will affect your posture in life. It'll actually put you on the defensive, and that is not a posture of faith. A posture of faith leans forward and says, God, whatever you say, I'm going to grab onto it and believe it. But when we think like this, when we have a thought process that, it's really one of disfavor. It puts us on our back heel 
and defensive and unable to step in with full force into even a simple prayer. Well, God, you know, I used to, I'll, I'll tell you how I could just see this in my life. I used to believe that prayer was this arduous task. And if I prayed long enough and hard enough and just wore God out, he would buckle and finally have to give in. Now, what does that reveal God as? God is revealed as stingy, and we need to drive him bat nuts until finally he relents and does the thing that we're asking for. When the truth is, prayer is not about, diligent prayer is not about that at all. Prayer is more about speaking to your situation on earth, what God's heart is for the earth that's not happening yet. The reason why you and I need to pray and fast and pray again is not because God's not willing to respond. God's already responded. It's because the earth is unyielding to the will of God. That's why we pray. That's why we fast. We ask and we petition not to convince God to do good things. God has already set the good things in motion. He wants us to be his agents on the earth and enforce his will on this planet. Amen? And so that's why we petition over and over in prayer. And so I can see in my life where it now changes that I know that God is for me and not against me. And if I know what his will is, that when I lean forward in prayer to, be, to fight for his good things, to know that he is completely on board, in fact, he's breathed this into existence, changes my trajectory. When I walk into an investment situation, when I step into a relational circumstance, when I go to buy something or sell something, I'm, I'm walking in confidence that I am in the favor of God. Amen? Come on, look at the person next to you and say, God's favor is all over you. God's got a lane for you. Come on, look at him in the eye. And maybe grab him by the collar. Pull him close. Mean mug him a little bit. You know, there are more voices that communicate God's favor besides just God's, though. And it's critical to be aware so that you can understand that in a world and in a day and age where there are so many other voices on this frequency silencing the voice of God, that God has other ways that he speaks his favor, and we need to hear it because we need to remind ourselves over and over and over because all day long, all of the voices are communicating God's disfavor. And so you need to hear more of uh, God's frequency to, to remind yourself God is for you. And also, if you understand how he communicates, besides just using his voice, God can use you to actually communicate his favor to the people that are in your world. So here's a couple of the other ways that God speaks his favor. He does it through the Holy Spirit. Jesus said something remarkable before he died, before he was buried, and before he was resurrected. He talked about the Holy Spirit, and he communicated that it's good that I go away. And none of the disciples liked that at all. How could it be good for you to go away? We just started hanging out. It's been three years. I've been doing all these miracles. I've given my life to you. You're going to take off. What am I going to do tomorrow? But Jesus was saying, it's good that I leave you because I'm going to send a helper who's not limited in a body like I am at this moment. He said, I'm going to send the Spirit, and when he comes, he will basically, as we read John chapter 16, verse 13, when the Spirit of truth comes, he's going to guide you into all truth. He's going to declare all the things of God to you. The Holy Spirit's job is to speak on behalf of God. 
And so he comes into our world, he comes into our gatherings, he comes into our life, and he lives within believers, and he's always declaring the things that pull you back into the center lane of walking in perfect harmony with God. And so if there's something in your life holding you back, through the Spirit, the Spirit will begin to share, this, share these truths to pull you back in over here. And it's a beautiful thing because the heart of God is for you to experience all of his great stuff. And revealing the truth is simply about helping you to stop driving in the rumble strip, get out of the glass, get over here where it's smooth and straight, and we'll go directly to the destination. You know, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9 through 10 reminds us of this. What no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor has even entered into your heart about your life, about your future, about what you can accomplish, about what you will build, about what you will, what you will establish on the earth of the lives that you will impact. It has not even entered into your heart at this point, but the Bible says what God has prepared for those who love him, these things God reveals to us through his spirit. And so my prayer is that even, even today as we've gathered, because when two or three gather, the spirit's in our midst, Right? amplified in a powerful way that you will not get on your own. I'm just telling you, have prayer alone. Definitely, absolutely, that's intimate. But there's something powerful about God's people gathering together. It's like God's voice is amplified because of everyone in the room together. And so my prayer is that God is, through his spirit, speaking to you like you are not a second-class citizen in the kingdom of heaven. Get over here. Yes, I know you have sin. That's why I sent my son. Get over here. Yes, I know that you, you fail miserably. That's, that's why I'm here. Get over here. I know you feel like that you're good for nothing, but I created you for purpose. Get over here. And so in the process of even preaching, we expect that God through his spirit will reveal the truth that you need to know through the spirit of God and through his word. The Holy Spirit can be heard, Sometimes he just yells. I've had him yell, man, over the noise of life. Over all my circumstances and situations. Remember one time living in Longview, driving across the old, new Longview-Kelso Bridge, because there's like three bridges. There's the old, old bridge, there's the old, new bridge, and then there's the new, new bridge. So I was driving across, going through some circumstances, going through some difficulty, feeling like there's nobody who can help me. My parents live far away. All these people that I know, they're all helping one another. I, I, nobody's helping me. And God, through the Spirit, shut up, Steve. I will be your father. Not expecting it. I wasn't in church. I was in my, uh, my Ford pickup truck, and God spoke audibly there, probably because it was a Ford, but it's nothing against you Chevy guys, okay? Um, but does Dodge even still make any trucks? Okay, anyways, I'm, I apologize. Oh, that's right. <laughs> That was it. I'm out. I can deal with any. I'm out. Uh, all in good fun. Now, the Holy Spirit can yell, but you know what? The Holy Spirit's always speaking, and if you put yourself in a listening posture, you can certainly hear more often and more clearly. That's why we read the Bible daily. We read it daily. You don't have to read 10 chapters. In fact, you might be information overload if you're reading too much. But taking some time and shutting everything down to listen to the Word. For me, I read the Bible, but I also put the audio on the background because I'm like a ping pong ball with my attention span. And I listen to the spoken version 
nice British accent. This guy speaks really slow. There's a little music in the background. And I hear the word of God. And as it's expressed, I'm able to hear what God is saying. And, you know, then there's the times when we come into church and we're looking to hear the word preached. There's books that I read. And I pick up a title of a book expecting, it's a spiritual book, expecting God to speak a truth to me. And I'm really giving God the moment. I'm saying, God, whatever you would speak to me, you please do it. And if God can speak through a donkey in the Old Testament to a man, God can speak to you in your Bible reading time or through reading a spiritual book or reading even the Old Testament. God can speak to you, okay? I think also, it, as I've already mentioned, God really speaks as we gather as a church family. That is the reason why we gather. It's part, a big part of the reason that God can speak to us. Now, when we gather together, the Holy Spirit speaks to us. But I think one of the things that's also of value is that in church, in a church setting, God has placed various leaders in our life who are responsible to speak on behalf of God into our lives. When you read through the scripture, you, Hebrews 13, 17, I know that this sounds like arm twisting, but hear the heart of the scripture. It says, obey your leaders and submit to them. Now, what you're hearing when you read that, if you're like me, you sit down and you sit up and you do what I say. Raise your hand. David Chain, raise your hand. Raise your hand. Good, good boy. Put your hand down. Yeah. Okay, like some ridiculous Simon says. But obey your leaders and submit to them is this. John, you are favored by God. Come on, get over here in this lane. John, I hear in your voice when you're talking about selling your property, maybe this is never coming together. Uh, I don't know if this will ever come together. Not that you did this, John, but I'm using you as an example. No, 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 God's, God's favoring you. Come on, come on, declare God's favor over your life. Declare God's favor over your property. God gave you this property. It's valuable. He knew the day would come when you would sell it. God's gonna help you to get this done. Come on, John, get over here in this lane. Understand that that's really what scripture's talking about. Oh, I don't know what's going on, Pastor Steve. I got this big lump on my head. I don't know, every time I hit myself in the head with this hammer, it just swells up. Stop hitting yourself in the head with a hammer. It's not raise your hand. Raise it! Disobedient. It's not what obedience is about. Obedience is about being invited into the goodness of God. And in a, a world where it's so hard to hear the favor of God over our lives, it's why we need spiritual leaders. The Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10, at the very end, it says, leaders, you should speak as the very oracle of God. Now, this doesn't just apply to church leadership. Mom, dad, it applies to you with your children or your grandchildren. It applies to team leaders with their team. That in our communication with people in our world, God has appointed you, if he's placed you in a position of leadership, to declare the favor of God over the people you lead so that they can hear it. That working for you or being on your team or serving underneath your leadership, that somehow there should be this ongoing sense that you are, you are coming closer in understanding of who God is and all that he wants to accomplish in your life and all of the possibilities even though you're imperfect, that that process is, should happen through our leaders. If you are a leader, there's a weighty message 
of favor or value that only, hear me, that only you can deliver. There will be a lot of voices trying to replace the voice of a father to their child, but they should never replace the voice of a father to their child. And only you, dad, or only you, mom, can deliver that voice of favor with the weightiness that God intends because that's why God has put you in that position. That your conversation with your team or your children or your spouse or the people on your job, although you don't start it off like this, that, yay, I say unto you, still in the process, Jay, you're working with an employee and you breathe into him and you say, listen, you are so valued here in this company. You show up every day. You work hard. Your team enjoys being on the team. Thank you. Thank you for everything that you do. From all that's inside of me, I just want you to know how much I appreciate you. And it's in moments like that that we function as ambassadors of heaven to speak value into people's lives on behalf of God. And if as a leader, you don't do it, there will be a million people fighting for that microphone that shouldn't touch it. I say this especially to moms and dads and grandparents. If you don't convey the value to your child, and I know you might not be used to it because you didn't grow up in that environment, but I'm telling you, somebody else will steal the microphone. Or they'll go looking in all the wrong places for that value that only you can truly deliver. If you're delivering a message that devalues, stop being used by the devil. Don't cloak it in, oh, I'm just here to help your A minus to be an A. Okay, there, understand that there's correction, there's things that need to be done, and not everything's good. We don't praise things that are not good. And it you could develop this mindset, though, that I'm not going to praise that person. I'm not going to value that person until they shape up. That would be like my wife walking into her office where she has many, many plants and looking at a plant that has a few dry leaves and saying, I'm not watering you until you stop being dry. Now, flattery's a lie. Oh, you did such a great job. No, no, maybe they didn't. But they tried and it stunk. I appreciate the effort that you put into that. There are so many things that you are good at. There's moments to speak value into people that are there, they're real, they, they exist. That doesn't take away from the moment of having to say, hey, you know, uh, boy, I asked you to do this job and you did not do it well. That needs to happen. Truth is still truth. But it can be also reinforced with, an understanding that I still love you and you're welcome and I favor you and I'm glad for you, right? So as a leader, make sure that you do that. If you don't speak up, your silence will cause those you lead to seek it in other places that may not be healthy. I understand that some of you, your leader failed to deliver God's message of value or even worse, they devalued you. What I would challenge you to do is I would challenge you to seek God and hear from him because no earthly message of value will ever be what heaven's message is in comparison. So hear from God, go to your leaders who will deliver a good message, and know that if you try to force words of value from a leader, they'll never satisfy you. There are some broken leaders in the world that we live in. It's true. 
I've been that broken leader sometimes. I was all about helping your A minus to become an A and never spent enough time to say, dude, you got an A. It's so important to know that. How am I doing on time? I'm, I'm over time. Uh, let me give you this one. Um, yeah. So time means nothing here. Okay. God's family voices. Josh, that wasn't the place to say amen. That's the first amen I heard out of you the entire time. In fact, why don't you come up here and help me preach this message? Amen? No. Yeah. Um, part, of, part of our friendships in this room are gathering as a church community and the conversations that don't happen from here to here, but that happen from here to here, that actually re reinforce and reinsert the reminders that God favors you. And that's one of the key components. As you look at Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 and 25, it says, let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. And that's a command for every one of you as you came to church today. Now, some of you understand that in the room today, there are people who are rostered. The people are about to jump up on the platform. They got this little planning center notification. You are invited to serve on the worship team. Bing! Most of them press it immediately, and we never have to chase anybody down to respond to those invitations. We don't have to chase anybody down. Everybody responds right away. Listen, I'm trying to water the drying, I'm trying to water the plant here. But some of you are not rostered today. But all of us are rostered to do what the scripture says today. The Bible does not see church attendance as consumerism. This is not Costco. It's not Fred Meyer. It's not, it's not Walmart. <laughs> Clearly, I don't have my pajamas on. And uh, I like Walmart. They've got some good deals. Um, but it says, let us consider how to stir one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as some are in the habit of doing. Here, here's where it just locks into the theme, but encouraging one another and all the more. Your, your participation in this process is what will make this church truly, it, it does make it truly life-giving. It's the conversations in the lobby. It's the encouragement from one to another. It's getting together at a dinner party or inviting someone to your home. It's not the one-off conversation where I've got a word from you. It's the life constant conversation. It's always like a cheerleader cheering people on. Amen? A, a spectator with a consumer mindset doesn't come to church to cheer anybody on. And a person who doesn't attend regularly has, has actually surrendered their microphone to someone else. But I want to challenge you to be here, to be a part of the process of building up people to understand the full favor of God in their lives and so that God can use you over time to speak life and purpose and strength. You know, some of the students on our platform are fairly new to the team. Some of them have been involved for a long time. But I've got pictures of some of them when they were in grade school. Little kids running around the church. And the way they step into the good things that God has for them is not because we put out a sign-up sheet and say, hey, who wants to be involved? It's because life is expressed through spoken words into people's lives. 
by not just a, a sermon, but by all of us in the process. That we all communicate value and support. And when somebody's down in the ditch, it's the invitation to come on back out. Come on back here where there's life, where there's sunlight, where there's hope, where there's help. You know, you can have somebody in your world that's completely going in the wrong direction and you can still operate in their life with a posture of favor because that is how God has always postured towards us. You notice the prodigal son, when he turned around to come home, where was his dad inside doing? Dad was waiting on the corner for his son to return. Stand with me. Let me give you a a final verse here um, that I'll bring up. For you to consider, this is uh, the last uh, voice, but I just want to challenge you. I challenged you with this last week, that your voice can be used in your own life to remind yourself of the favor of God. I challenge you to get up in the morning and take your preacher hand, you know, that makes you nervous. That's why you don't want to come to the altar. And you might get my, I just did my hair. I did too, but I'm not, I'm not as worried about it. You know, I take my preacher hand, I lay it on myself, and I declare over myself the same favor that I would declare over you. You want to know why I do it? Because I need to be reminded. It's not that my mentally I forget. It's that experientially I forget. Get up, and I got to face the day, and there's some challenges, and I feel like I'm losing. I need to be reminded that I'm on the winning team. I'm partnered with the winner, that the winner is cheering me on. Psalm 20 all of heaven will rejoice. We'll wave our banners as you're successful. It's a prophetic psalm of God in heaven to our lives. I ran cross country. You don't get many cheerleaders for cross country. But when we ran our inner city race with three different high schools, the cheerleaders showed up. I was struggling that day, but I'm telling you what, when we got near the cheerleaders, boy, I was sprinting. Got behind the pool. Nobody could see me. I walked. And, <gasps> but, but when I came, something about somebody cheering for you. Heaven cheers for you. And so you want to declare that over yourselves. It says, but what does it say? The word is near you in your mouth, is in your heart. That is the word of faith that we do what? We proclaim. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe with your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. I am favored by God. His hand is upon me. He sent his son for me. Steve, he sent him for you. I remind myself every day. Steve, God's hand is on you. He has favored you yesterday. He's going to favor you again today. He's going to help you, not at the expense of anybody else. God can favor me and Josh, Right? He can favor us. It doesn't mean that I get what he's got. It means we can both drive in our lane of favor and experience all that God has for us. And when I'm doing that with other people, I rejoice when Josh succeeds. I celebrate it, not because, oh, God didn't do it to me. Because when I see God doing it in his life, I'm like, okay, I'm next. There we go. Amen? And so we declare it over ourselves. We remind ourselves because even our inner voice screams out disfavor usually. Amen? Let's try that just for just a moment. Just lay your hand on your, your own body. This will sound weird. I dare you to do it. I am favored by God. I am his son. I am his daughter, if that's you. Out loud. An expression, a declaration of God's favor. Jesus, you died for me. You wanted to die for me. 
You fought to die for me. God, your favor is all over me. It's all over my life, regardless of who I am and what I've done. Your favor invites me into your very best stuff. Some of you, you've not even whispered anything. You're afraid to. But I declare it over you. God favors you. He has chosen you. He has selected you. He dreams about you. He's going to use you. He's going to help you to walk straighter, jump higher, run faster. He's going to help you to shift things in your world so that you can get out of the rumble strip and get rolling right down the lane of that smooth sailing in him. Not that there won't be some challenges, but you'll be on the smooth lane of his favor. Amen? Let's pray one time. Father, thank you so much for your goodness. Father, we thank you, God, for your favor over our lives. We ask, God, that you will breathe this truth deep within our souls. Father, we're asking that we could get up in the morning and have a sense, God, truly of your favor, that we catch a glimpse of it. Lord, I pray that you'll allow us to hear the Spirit's voice that declares over and over the favor of God. Father, I pray that there will be leaders in all of our lives who are declaring your goodness, your favor, your hope, answers that are coming in our ears, that we could be that same type of leader into the people that we lead, declaring the possibilities. Father, I pray that you allow us to speak over our own lives, not a, not a negative devaluing message, but a yes, amen, so be it, Lord, with our own expression of our own words. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Everyone said amen and amen. Come on, give them a big hand if you believe that. Thanks for listening. To find out more about our pastors, leaders, and what we do at C3 Church, visit our website at c3swwa.com.